you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Good evening, everyone. Um, start with a moment is that I recently came to my attention that there'd been something that bordered on heretical said in this church. And it was said by none other than our new associate or youth minister, Dave Chiswell. And it was in regard to the fact that if you wanted to be a real Christian, then you needed to have seen and enjoyed and be attached to The Princess Bride, the movie. Problematic, isn't it? Problematic. And, uh, and you might think, Andrew, you're just showing your age, but uh, Claire told me that the young adults, you recently, uh, at some stage, you had that as the feature movie, The Princess Bride. Uh, who's seen that out of interest? Most of us have seen it. I first saw it and um, at, at, I think I was quite interested, I thought Buttercup was a bit of alright back in, uh, in the 80s when it, when it first came on. I think I was a similar age to Buttercup a long time ago. Um, but I recently saw it with my daughter Arabella who's 11 and uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, the character that captured me on this occasion was, I'm going to get this wrong, Inigo Montoya. Yeah, and if you haven't seen it, if you're one of the ones that, ha- how do you pronounce it? So, I got it close, didn't I? You know who I mean. <laughs> it's this character, and it's kind of a sad story. His dad is killed by this horrible man with six fingers, and, and he, just, he just stabs him for no reason because he doesn't want to pay for this sword. And the rest of his life, this character in this movie is after one thing. He calls it the revenge business. And he goes around going, my name is Inigo Botoy, you kill my father, prepare to die. And he just, you hear that so many times in the movie. And by the end of it, you're like, just, you've got to meet this guy and kill him, just so you stop saying that, you know, like, it's got to happen, and when it does, and if you, if you haven't seen this, it's an old movie, this is your fault, spoiler alert, I'm not even saying sorry, he, as the steel goes into this evil character's ribs, you go, yes, at least I did, got what is coming, you can't go around killing people six-fingered man, it's just not on, especially when it's this guy's dad, right, so we like it, we like to see when the bad guys get what's coming to them, don't we? We like to see when the big, strong, powerful, evil person gets what's coming to him. If, if, you're, if you're following the Ukraine war over the last couple of um, days at least, you probably like me, go, Kyrgyzstan has fallen to the Ukraine. Isn't that great? You can't go around bullying people, it's good. Yeah, and we like to see that. We like to see revenge and, and a dish enjoyed best cold. Something about that. Now, a- as we come though <laughs> to this series in peacemaking, we probably know that Jesus has something to say about revenge and vengeance. If you are not a Christian here tonight, you might not. Um, but if you are a Christian, or you, you've been familiar with the word uh, of the Bible for a while, you'll probably know, yeah, I think that Jesus has got something to say about that. Like, for example, the famous Lord's Prayer. You know, the, the prayer that Jesus, how do we pray, his disciples say, Jesus says like this, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So if you are a Christian here tonight, you go, yeah, I know I have to forgive. I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's so hard. You probably think. Easy on little things, but on big things that really hurt, forgiving is really hard. We'd much prefer to be a Nigo Montoya and to cherish it and to get our vengeance, but forgiveness is hard. But we know that Jesus says it and we say we're Christians, so we're, okay, I'm going to have to go through this forgiveness business. And what we normally do or which we often do, is go, I'm going for forgiveness light. 
So I'm going to say, I forgive you, but I can't forget what you did. I'm going to forgive you, but we can't have a relationship again. I don't trust you. I forgive you. I green tick in the do what Jesus says box, right? But really, we're not having a relationship. What you did just... So in a, in a way, it's more like the period of history that um, is from you know, 1948 to 1989, which it has got two names, actually. Uh, some people in the, in the field called it the long peace. Because during those years, the, the two superpowers, there was no hot war. It was a long, extended peace. Many other people, though, call it the name that you probably know, the Cold War. There was no actual fighting, but there was no friendship, there was no relationship, there was no warmth, there was no intimacy, there was a cold war. And sometimes we Christians go, I know I have to forgive, so I'm going to go through the motions of forgiveness light, but really, really, I, I forgive, but I don't forget, I can't have a relationship with you again. It's like a, a cold war. But, as we, we, we get to this stage in our series on conflict, on conflict resolution, what the Bible has to say about it, the Bible has a lot to say about this topic of forgiveness. In fact, many times in the Bible, it is explicitly links God's forgiveness of us with our forgiveness of others. It's explicitly linked. So, for example, Ephesians chapter 4, 32, the Apostle Paul says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Or Colossians 3, 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So the Bible links God's forgiveness of us with our forgiveness of others, but nowhere is it so directly and so powerfully and so frighteningly as Jesus' parable that Claire just read for us. Matthew 18, this, this parable is like a slap on the face. It was meant to be a slap on the face. Jesus told it and His intent when hearing this was that you would go, what? How is that the case? And there's a number of points in the, in the parable Jesus tells where you do that. You heard Claire read, it's about someone who owed um, a huge sum of money in the currency of the day. Let's say it's like five, six, seven million bucks. And this, this man owes all this money and the debts are called in by the master. And the master says, all right, pay up. And he goes, I can't even pay the interest back. I can't pay this back. And the master goes, all right, your fault. All right, send him off to jail in that context, sell him into slavery, sell his family into slavery, use the money as a down payment of the debt, and you can stay in there until you pay it back. And then the servant responds like you and I would if we had <laughs> that problem of owing five or six million dollars, is like, please, have mercy on me. I, I can't pay this back. It's too big. And then in that moment, I mean, the audience is going, no, you, you, you owe all that money, you need to pay it. That's how the world works, right? If you borrow money, you have to repay it. And then the first twist in the story, the master goes, all right, cross out the debt. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah, no more debt for you. 100%, strike it out, debt forgiven, paid, off you go. And so it's like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting out of here before he changes his mind. 
All this debt is, is gone. And then comes the next bit when on the way out, this servant who's owed, let's say, five million bucks meets someone who owes him 200 bucks and goes, all right, you better pay up, mate, because I need that, I want that money back. He goes, oh, can you give me a bit more? No! And then he starts choking him, assaulting him and calls the coppers and throws him into prison for debt default. And, you, you, and the, the obvious thing is, what? <laughs> you hypocrite. You just got paid this, you got forgiven this massive debt and then you're taking out this trifling little debt on the other. But then where it gets really, really confronting is what Jesus says next. Listen again to these words and this is a slap on the face. You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger... His master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Can you see Jesus' words here? His point's really clear, isn't it? The point he's making is is that if you are a Christian here tonight, most of us are, if you're a Christian here tonight, you've been given, forgiven a staggeringly great debt. You could never repay it. We're not talking financial. You, you could maybe pay five million bucks back eventually. We're talking a debt that you could never repay. It, it's a relational debt between you and your Creator, God. And the Bible teaches us that God makes us for relationship with Him. He pours out His abundance and His goodness upon us. He gives us all the blessings of life and we spit in His face. We say, I don't really need God. There's all these other things that are far more attractive than some boring God. I want to live for these things. I want to experience these things. And and these are more important to me than God. I can pay you lip service, but I'm not really interested. We fall short of God's commandments and His holiness. We don't love God with all our heart as we should or love our neighbors as ourselves. And this creates a relational debt which is vast. We often, as Christians and non-Christians, we don't understand the extent of the debt. We think that, oh no, God loves me and, and God is, is made for me. And you know, I know I've done some bad things, but we don't really realize the awesomeness of sinning against an infinite being who is good and loving and merciful, sinning against creating a debt which we cannot meet. And and very often you will find people go, and maybe you've thought this, I've thought this, if I could just make myself better, I'll pay my debt back. God will be happy with me. I know I haven't done all that I should do. There's things I'm so ashamed of, but if I could just become better. As a a friend, one of the pastors of our church actually is a a chaplain, working with a a Muslim guy at the moment said, this, this Muslim guy is a fantastic guy. We've said, we've got a really close friendship. And last night we were, we were talking, um, he was sharing with me about this friend of his. And he's, he's, they were talking and, and his friend, and he asked his friend, so how do you know that, that you're all right with God? How do you know that you're forgiven? How do you know you'll go to heaven? And um, his friend said, well, it's like a We've got good deeds and we've got bad deeds and we want our good deeds to to be far heavier on the scales than our bad deeds. And so then when we die, if our good deeds are more than our bad deeds, then we'll go to heaven. And Pete, my friend, said, well, how do you know? 
I said, I don't. He said, but Allah's merciful, but I don't know. But he said, does that, do you feel anxiety about that? All of eternity hanging on, and you don't even know which way it's going to go. And he said, yeah, I do. But see, for, for the Christian, it's, it's completely different because you can never be good enough. No matter how many good deeds you chuck on the good deeds component, they're never going to match up to the glory and goodness of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it says in Romans. All of us have fallen short of God's glory, and this is where it gets amazing, is, is that we can't earn our way to heaven, but God sends the Lord Jesus. This is the beauty of the gospel, who pays the price that we couldn't pay, the debt we could never owe or never return, never pay back. God does it. And then you and I are like the servant in the parable. We had this massive debt. And you know, you've got a massive debt. Some of you may not realize the full extent of that debt. I don't think, I don't, I don't think I'll realize the full extent of that debt until I get to heaven. But I tell you what, I realize a lot more than when I was 18, the debt that I owe. But this is extraordinary good news. It's done. It's paid for. And you know, like the servant going, yeah, I can't believe this. That's incredible. You cancelled all my debt. That's the Christian's experience. But then, this is the sting. Then Jesus says, paraphrase, how dare you go to someone with some trifling little debt against you? How dare you go and refuse to extend them the forgiveness when I forgave you this massive amount and you won't forgive them that piddly little thing? How dare you, you hypocrite. This is a very, very big deal. And think for a moment, if, if God forgave you and I like we often forgive other people, right? I forgive you, but I, don't forget, I won't forget what you did. I forgive you, but I never want a relationship with you again. Imagine God treated us like that. What a, a cold war to be in now and for all eternity feeling God's displeasure and His judgment, knowing that all the things we're so ashamed of, He just thinks of them when He looks at us and goes, I forgive you, never want to be close to you again. Looks at you like, you know, a little boy will look at a slimy snail and go, I don't want to be near that creature. That's filthy. But that's when the Bible says the way God forgives is so different. It's, it's a forgiveness that says, you know, like, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've taken your sins away. When I think of you, I see my beloved child. I see my, the one that, that, that God the Father, the one that Jesus, my son, died for. I see one that I'm going to be enjoying for all of eternity, a relationship of warmth and intimacy. I love you, says it. So, and then we do forgiveness light. Uh, I forgive you, but I don't forgive. And Jesus says, it's a problem. Forgiveness is a massive part of the Christian message. And, and as we look now, we've got to ask like, well, firstly, what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Let's look at what it isn't. What forgiveness is not, it's not a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Um, when I do weddings, if I'd done any weddings of anyone here, only one. You remember, Sandra, I, I, it's pretty much the same standard wedding sermon. And, and like, say, the couple are up the front and they're all, you know, lovey-dovey and it's, it's all emotional and they're feeling the moment and, and, and the guy's thinking, she's looking gorgeous and the girl's thinking, I'm looking gorgeous. You know, like, I don't know what's going on. But they're, they're really loving one another. It's beautiful. And, um, and then I, in the sermon, I go like, you know, 
love is not a feeling. And he yeah, whatever you say. Yep, no, yeah, yeah. I said, no, love is not a feeling. The feeling that you're experiencing now, it's great, it's wonderful, but it, it'll, it'll go. It won't last that long. You know, it, it'll, and it'll go up and down, and it'll be here, and then it won't be there. Love is an action. It's a choice. Forgiveness is a choice too. If you wait until you feel like forgiving someone, you won't forgive them. If you wait until you no longer feel the hurt and the pain from what they did to you, you just won't forgive. Forgiveness is a choice, it's an action. Um, forgiveness is also not forgetting. You know, um, <laughs> I forgive, but I don't forget. No, no, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is more than that. Forgetting is passive. It happens as you get older. The older you get, the more you forget. That's just how it works. Nod, nod to me if you agree. Yeah, I feel it. You forget. Yes, yes, it's true. <laughs> it's only going to get worse for me. It's already bad. But forgiveness is, forgetting is, is passive. But then you might say, well, Andrew, but the Bible compares God's forgiveness with forgetfulness, doesn't it? Well, Isaiah 43, 25, God says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. But this is not suggesting that, that God's forgiveness is divine amnesia, that he suddenly goes like, I know there was something that you did, and I can't remember what it was. What was it, Steve Piano? Was that when you were three? Yes! Oh no, I've forgotten that. Maybe that, that's, that's not what God is like. Omnipotent, omniscient. God knows everything. It's not like he, he somehow has a data corruption in his file and he no longer remembers the sins that he committed. No, he chooses not to forget them. Forgiveness is a choice not to forget. It's not forgetting something, right? There are some sins that people have committed against us which you will remember to your dying day, but there is something that happens with forgetfulness and sin which is a little bit like exams. Who's in the middle of exams at the moment? Anyway, a couple of you, yeah, I have, <laughs> I have two children, two uh, teenagers doing VCE subjects at the moment, and this is my experience of exams. Yours might be different. I was quite good at exams. I was really good at doing the exam technique of not doing much during the year, but cramming really effectively in the exams. Anyone else done that? You know, and you, then, you, then you go into panic mode, you've got all the, all the incentive, you know, like all the procrastination is gone, and you cram, right? You cram. You're reading you're, you're late nights, and you've got stuff on the toilet door, you know, and then you've got palm cards, and you're walking around, and you write stuff on your hand, you can't cheat, you rub that off, and then, you know, like, you just, at the front of your mind is the information, and then you get into the exam, and then it's reading time, and then you, and then pick up your pens, and then, <laughs> it just like goes onto the page, you know? Is anyone like that? And it just, and then at the end of it, it's like, Ooh! and you walk out of the exam and you never think about it ever again. Like, that's an arts degree. That was my, that was what I, that was what happened to me because I'm thinking about the next exam now, right? Don't need, that's gone. And if I sat that exam a month later, I would fail because it would be all gone. Why? because it's not at the front of my mind anymore. I'm not keeping it in remembrance. I'm not dwelling on it. I'm not trying to keep it at the front of the mind. With time, if you don't keep something at the front of your mind, it drifts away. So while forgiveness is not forgetfulness, forgiving over time does help forget. But if that's what uh, forgiveness is not, it's not forgetting and it, it is certainly not feeling, well, what is forgiveness? 
what's this thing that Jesus is talking about which is so important that he says is essential? What is forgiveness? Well, you, you, you know what forgiveness is, don't you? We, we all know what it is. You could sum it up by saying that uh, forgiveness, when applied to relationships, is the radical decision not to count an offence against the offender. It's actually in the New Testament, it's a business term most of the time, it's an accounting term, a finance term. Um, you would talk about forgiving a debt, we still do actually, um, we use that term forgiveness of a financial debt. Uh, but in the New Testament, it, it's mostly about something that you owe. That's, that's the, the forgiveness, is the word is related around that. Um, Ken Sandy, the, the guy whose books I've drawn on pretty heavily for this uh, series, runs uh, part of the PeaceWise group. But he says this, he says that when someone sins against you, a debt is created. So a debt comes into being when someone sins against you. Now, most of that debt, he says, is vertical. When we sin against someone else or someone sins against us, they also sin against God and that is the big problem. That's the big debt that is created, something that you and I have no power to influence. But when someone sins against you, they also create a debt that is owed to you. They have, in some way, harmed you or sinned against you or inflicted hurt on you and it has caused a debt they owe you. And when we talk about this question of forgiveness, you've got two options when someone owes you a debt. Number one, you insist that they pay it back. That's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness says, you hurt me, you will pay it all back, and I will hold this against you, and I will make you pay it back. Pay it back. Forgiveness light, the Christian version of light forgiveness, says, yeah, I forgive you, but I don't forget. And I'll let you know that. And I'll let you know that while I've ticked the green box, like Jesus says, I've forgiven you, but, but I'm really not having any relationship with you again. I don't trust you anymore. And that hurts you. And what I'm doing is drawing a payment from you. I'm saying, you owe me and I'm going to demand it from you. Now, now the problem with, with unforgiveness, which that is, there's two problems. The first is vertical. If you're a Christian, you know the words of Jesus very clearly. Forgive others as God has forgiven you. So if you choose and say, I'm not going to forgive someone, you are disobeying God. And disobeying God is sin. And sin always has conscious, uh, consequences. We often think sin is the, the really fun, enjoyable stuff that would make life full if only God hadn't sort of prohibited it. That's not how it works. God wants us to flourish. And when we sin, we, we create a blockage with Him. Our relationship with God is, is impacted. But if you refuse to sin, it's, it's worse than that. You're not just damaging your relationship with God, you're hurting yourself. Um, someone once said, rightly, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping that the other person will die. <laughs> you see, you know, I'm going to drink, I'm going to remember what you did, all the things, I'm going to, I'm going to stew on this and you made me so angry, and then, how come you're not dying? How come you're going through your life? I'm going to keep drinking the poison. That's what unforgiveness does. Interesting, medically, you know, if any of you in the medical field, I, um, I've heard, I've heard it said that unforgiveness is actually, can actually impact your body, your health. Unforgiveness has, has terrible impact. It's drinking poison. So you've got one option is to go, I want the debt repaid. 
and you're going to pay it all back. And that's unforgiveness. The, the second option is exactly the opposite. It's not to take repayments on the debt that's owed you. It's actually to make them on the other person's behalf. So forgiveness that Jesus talks about, forgiving your brother from the heart is going, I'm not going to hold what you did against me. In fact, I'm going to make repayments on the debt that you owe. And when I think about what you did and how it hurt, and when I think about the impact that what you did has still had on my life and those many moments when I'm tempted to remember it all, you know what? I'm going to make a down payment on your debt to me. I'm going to do it. And, and you know, and you might say, yeah, I could do that on something small. Could you do it on something big? I know if you've heard of the Amish community in uh, America, a uh, Christian community that... Um, believes uh, doesn't use technology but a very very strong christian community on the 3rd of october 2006 in one of the amish communities um, the community was going about its normal life and a man from outside the community walked into the schoolhouse and he shot 10 little girls why no reason I don't know if you're a parent or if you've got a sister or granddaughter and you look at the little daughter, your little daughter lying in her blood, that's a debt that can't be repaid. That's a debt that is owed to you as the parents, to her, a life snatched away to the community for violence like that. You can't repay a debt like that. You can't make a down payment on someone. And you know what? You can't in your own strength. But, but that's part of the wonderful news of grace is that if you're a Christian, you're saved from your sins, yes. It's glorious. But it's not like that Jesus just saves you from your sins and then on the cross and then sends you out to live your life without any help, unchanged. When Jesus saves us from our sin on the cross, He sends us out into life with the power of His Holy Spirit. And in one sense, in regard to this question of forgiveness, He opens a bank account in your name and He fills it full of cash. And He said, when you can't pay down the debt yourself, there's unlimited resources in me. And you know, you know what that Amish community did? This is an account from a journalist writing a couple of days after this. That's what the journalist says. Several families, Amish families, who had buried their own daughters just the day before, were in attendance at the murderer's funeral service. And they hugged the widow and hugged other member of the killer's family. Did you hear that? I would have thought they were at the service, shaking their fists, saying, you're going to pay for what your son did, what your husband did to our community. But they were there hugging the widows a day after burying their own daughter. You tell me you do that in your own strength. This is the power of the gospel. We, we sometimes struggle to forgive the trifling things, right? We struggle to forgive our brother from the heart for the little things that annoy us or, or trouble us in day-to-day -day life. And then we see that example of that community. And you know why that community forgave? They were very explicit. They said, 
Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Far more, far bigger things than murder, the murder of an innocent little girl. Far bigger things. So how could we not forgive this little thing? Little thing, eh? Extraordinary. And you know what that community did after that service? They went on a fundraising campaign. What for? To raise funds so they could send the killer's children to college. What an amazing story of grace. And this community says, if, if they've done a, a, some articles recently, and they've been very honest. They've said, look, every anniversary, every October 3, we live through it again. Every birthday that our little girl would have had, we remember what happened. Our lives are, are traumatized. But every time we make the choice that we will forgive, we will forgive because Jesus forgave us. So forgiveness presents you with a choice every time. When someone sins against you, they create your debt. You insist that they pay it back. Or in obedience to Jesus, you pay down the debt for them. But there's two components to this. And they're two distinct parts, right? As it, forgiveness is so important, but it's not easy and it's not automatic. The first component of forgiveness is the most important. That's your heart component. It's mostly vertical. When you, you, someone sins against you, there's a debt that's owed to you, the first thing you have to do is your heart before God and before God say, I forgive that person. Out of obedience to you. It's hard, it's difficult, but I'm being a bit, and I forgive that person. Your heart, you, you, you take the poison that you're about to drink, you throw it away, and you say, God, I forgive them. That's the heart component. That's the most important but the next component is transactional. You can forgive someone from your heart and not have a restored relationship. That is a transactional component of forgiveness, which depends on the other person too, doesn't it? If someone has sinned against you, the relationship can't be restored until you forgive that person. And if you've sinned against someone else, the relationship can't be restored until they forgive, forgive you. Up to that point, you can have a heart forgiveness before God, but the relationship can't be restored. But once you've forgiven in your heart for your side, the relationship can then be uh, restored. Um, it's very important, though, to make sure that particularly, because sometimes you feel, you know, like someone sinned against me. You know, I've forgiven them, I've done the heart component, but they haven't, they haven't confessed their sin they haven't apologized for what they did to me, so I can't really have a relationship with them again properly until they own the debt. And that's good and right, actually. Uh, the Bible teaches that if, if you feel that someone has sinned against you, then, the, so I, I feel Claire sinned against me. The Bible says, I go to Claire one-on-one -on -one and say, Claire, you, you, you've sinned against me in this. And, and Claire either goes, I'm really sorry, Andrew. And I go, oh, great, got my sister back, you know. Or she goes like, you're kidding yourself. I haven't sinned against you. And I go like, but you have, you did. And she says, oh, I don't think that's a sin. So then I go, okay, Steve and Sandra, come on. We're going to go and confront Claire about her sin against me. And Steve and Sandra, might, they might agree with me and go, yeah, Claire, you've sinned against Andrew. And Claire goes, oh, still don't care. And then the Bible says in Matthew 18, Jesus teaching about this. He says, if that's the case, then go and get the elders of the church. Take them to Claire. So I go and get the, the pastor and go to Claire and they say, okay, Claire, you say you haven't sinned, let's say. And the reason that, that, that Jesus says this is because 
we have to remember to examine our own hearts, right? Because we are very good at deceiving ourselves. It's possible that you, when you're thinking of the unforgiveness that you're holding right now, you're thinking of the other person, it's possible that you haven't really understood your own component in this. Remember last week, the log in your own eye, Jesus says, and, and taking it to the elders of the church is actually a way of getting an impartial opinion. Um, so, for example, um, a number of years ago now in our church, you wouldn't know these people, there was a man in our church who uh, believed his wife was sinning really badly against him. He was furious. He went to her, um, she said, I, I don't think I'm sinning against you. He took some others, according to Matthew 18, he was following this through, and um, they also went to this woman and, and, and she said, I, I, don't think, I, I don't think I'm sitting against you. I don't, don't agree with the guys you've chosen to come and talk to me about this. And then, so then he did the right thing. Biblically, he got uh, us, he came to the pastors. A pastor and I met with this guy and we met with him for a number of hours and then we had a pause and we, we walked out there into the church and, um, and I went, are you seeing what I'm seeing? And he went, yeah, it's his fault. It's really his, and, and, and not all of his fault, she'd contributed, but w as he was telling his story, he's like, you are sitting against your wife terribly. And eventually, as pastors, we tried to say, look, you know, you feel that this person sinned against you, but you're sitting against her badly. And he was like, how dare you say that? You're meant to come and tell her off, and, and, and instead you, you're agreeing with her, you know, and, and, and he was furious. He left the church, and he destroyed his marriage, and he destroyed his family, and he destroyed his life. Now, forgiveness, Jesus always says, you've got to look at your heart. And sometimes th there are points when you need the wisdom of others. You need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. You need the wisdom of other Christians. Because we can, when we're caught up in conflict, it's all about the other person often, isn't it? And, and that's, that's some of the complexities that goes with this. Uh, so, you know, you might say to me, you know, like, so I forgive someone, does, you know, and there's a transactional you know, that they've acknowledged their sin and that means the relationship can be fully restored. So, let's say that I was abused horrifically as a child by someone in my life. And one day that person, after all these years, rang me up and said, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me for what I did to you? Do you have to forgive if you're a Christian? Yes or no? Yeah. Remember Jesus? As bad as that was to you compared to what God's forgiven you of, it's nothing. Yeah, of course you've got to forgive from your heart. And then the person who did that to you says, look, you know, as a peace offering, how about I babysit the kids for you for the weekend? I mean, I'm using an extreme example. But, but there, there is a point here. You know, like relational and forgiveness, it doesn't mean that there are still not consequences of the sin, right? How do you navigate those conflicts? With wisdom, asking for God's direction and guidance. It, it may be, you know, there, there are boundaries from, from someone who's suffering from a mental illness. It, it may be someone who's been in a domestic violence situation within a relationship. Do you have to forgive the person? Yes. Does that mean that you will always go back? It's not that simple. You need the wisdom of the church and the leading of the Holy Spirit because forgiveness is absolutely non-negotiable. But how it works out is, is not always easy to discern. All right, I'm going to close, but I don't know if that scares you, the parable. It scares me. Those words, again, of Jesus. 
so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Forgiveness from the heart. It's not easy. It's incredibly important. I'm going to close by uh, reading or telling you the story uh, of uh, my daughter Arabella is one of her heroes. She's 11 and a hero is a woman called Corrie ten Boom. Uh, Corrie ten Boom was a, a Dutch woman who was uh, living in the Netherlands under Nazi occupation in World War II. And uh, during that time, she was actively getting Jews out of Nazi Germany, her and her family. Uh, they were betrayed and caught. Her father and her little sister were killed. She says this. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him, a former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück concentration camp. He was the first of our actual jailers that I'd seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think that as you say, he's washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people of the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I couldn't. I felt nothing. Not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I prayed, I can't forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. I don't know if there's anyone you're, you're struggling to forgive tonight. I suspect that for many of us there is. Maybe someone that you've extended forgiveness light to, but you haven't really forgiven story of Corrie Ten Boom is so encouraging. God can do what we can't if we will seek his help. And as the musicians come up and we, we close out, what I'm going to ask that you do is you take this seriously because it's so serious in Jesus' word. If there's someone you are not forgiving in your heart, your salvation is on the line, right? That's what Jesus says. Is separation from God for all eternity worth it? To drink the poison that you hold on to? Tonight's an opportunity to be free. It's not easy. As a symbol of that, here in this little basket over here is a bunch of rocks. They're not holy rocks, they're just rocks. But 
as your musicians are, are leading us and as we sing, as we close out, during any time that we're singing while we're, while we're standing, if there is someone, I want you to come up and I want you to take a rock. And I want you to hold it and feel its weight. And to think of that person and to acknowledge how hard it is to forgive. How you still hurt. You still feel the resentment. Then to hold that rock and then walk over here. And say, Lord Jesus, in your mind, help me to forgive. And then take that rock and get rid of it. Now, that's, that's a little action. It's not going to mean that it's all gone, but it's a start, right? And these are the kind of moments in your Christian walk that can really be significant. So, for your own sake, for obedience to Jesus' sake, if you're holding something and don't, who cares what anyone else sees? That jar is getting full of rocks from three services today. Tons of people have taken the opportunity to get serious with God about this area of forgiveness. And if that's you tonight, come and do it. Just while we're, we're singing, praising God, come and take one of those and we'll let it go. Lord God, as, as we sing tonight, would you do a work in our hearts? We hear the words, Lord Jesus, that were given to us for our good. That unless we forgive our brother from our hearts, your forgiveness won't be extended to us. And so we pray, Lord, that the divine work of your Holy Spirit be at work in this place, working forgiveness, even on those, those wounds that are so deep and painful. Help us, Lord Jesus, to forgive when we just can't forgive. Help us to forgive like you've forgiven us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.